Welcome everyone to Historical Shade, um, the podcast where Julie and I talk about some shady topics in history, people being shady towards each other, things that we want to throw shade at, um, or like basically if it has a slight history like thumbnail to it, we will find it if it makes us laugh or chuckle or sometimes frustrated. Um, we like to say that we are not historians. We try to research this as much as we can within like you know, the extra two hours we have in our days. Um, so, yeah, uh, if we do something wrong, let us know. Uh, there are plenty of ways to do that, and we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. <laughs> and, and not to throw shade within the shade at Wikipedia, but we do actively try and, and use other sources beyond the world of Wikipedia. Yes, and not that Wikipedia is bad, but there are some great sources out there that are being underutilized, like JSTOR, which is your favorite. Uh, <laughs> I did not use JSTOR. I, I like physically watched the gears stop turning in your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so are you ready for my shade today? I'm, I'm so ready. You gave right. me a, a, a mild uh, preview. So uh -huh. I've been thinking about this and I, I can't <sighs> wait. Okay. So... For those of you new to listening, what have you been doing? Second. Um, what, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, Julie is, uh, Julie and I are very similar in many ways, but the one way that I think we're slightly different is I love all things dark, gory, and horrible. So today, um, I wasn't a goth in high school. I didn't have my first job at Hot Topic. Yes, I did. I did all those things. Um, so today, oh I'm going to talk about the Great New England Vampire Panic. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, do you know anything about this, Julie? No. I, okay. I love that you keep finding these shades in New England, and that's where I live. <laughs> I do. So I'm doing this, so the next time I visit, we're going to these places. Um, oh, my gosh. So my source <laughs> All the plans. Um, so my sources today are smithsonianmagazine.com oh, yes. and mentalfloss.com. So the main thing that sparked vampire panic in New England was tubercul tuberculosis. I can, I can pronounce words. Um, so tuberculosis has been a part of the United States history uh, since before we were even a country. Uh, historians believe that George Washington actually uh, fought it during his lifetime through uh, journals and stuff like that. So in... Um, <laughs> You know. I'm sorry. I had a laugh because just like the, the way that sentence was worded, he fought it through his life with journals. Oh, yes. He, like the, the information is there. Diary. Like, but like, I'm just imagining him like taking a journal and swatting things. Like that's I mean, going to stop the tuberculosis. I mean, it might have been better than what they thought would have which we'll get into. <laughs> so um, in 1786, health officials uh, first began recording the mortality rates uh, connected to tuberculosis. And Massachusetts alone, look, Julie, I'm researching this for you, um, recorded 300 consumption deaths for every 100,000 residents. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so between 1786 and 1800, tuberculosis killed 2% of New England's population. Um, in many cases, living in the same home was enough for the disease to spread throughout the entire family. And, um, and that's who is killed by the infection. It is estimated that anywhere between 70 to 90% of the U.S. population during this time had either 
um, inactive or active tuberculosis infections. 70 to 90%. It was the HPV of its time. Yeah, I said it. A lot of people have HPV. Get over it. Um, so <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. And for a very long time, there was no way to test men for HPV, but now there is. So <laughs> anyway. I actually just got the, the shot for that. Oh. Because when they when they introduced that shot, do you yeah. remember when they first? This is a tangent. I'm sorry, tuberculosis. But do you remember when they first introduced that shot? <laughs> tuberculosis. It was like so it aged out. At oh like, yeah, it was like super young. It was like no, I was 23 when it started, and I was too old. I was too yeah. old and matronly to get. So it. when I uh, when I was at the the doctor the other day for the first time in a while. Um, <laughs> Thank you, American healthcare system. Uh, they, she told me that it, it goes up to 45 now. Oh, and I, I'm happy, I can get I'm it. I'm happy to report I'm young enough again. So I got it. I am too. Ooh, I have to make a doctor's appointment. I have to make a doctor's appointment anyway, but uh, that's another reason. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's talk about tuberculosis. So symptoms for tuberculosis, if you haven't seen Moulin Rouge, um, <laughs> <laughs> include um kind of wasting away uh physically so not having an appetite night sweats fatigue and a persistent cough uh, that sometimes produces white phlegm or foamy blood um and occasionally this <laughs> occasionally uh this cough turns into hemorrhaging in inside the body um like i said if you if you don't know what this looks like, watch Milan Rouge or anytime someone in a movie coughs into a handkerchief and everyone's like, <gasps> they got the Wait, tea. it's been a while since I saw, wait, who had it in Milan Rouge? Oh my gosh, Satine has it in Milan Rouge, Nicole Kidman's character. So like she keeps coughing and like no one yeah. tells her. And for some odd reason, she's the only one who doesn't cough into her own handkerchief. Like, oh yeah, because there's that part where she like, the doctor like looks at the the circus leader guy. It's yeah, been so long since I saw this movie. Now I gotta watch it. Um, I watch it research. once a month. This is research. <sighs> Everyone else watch Milan Rouge and then get back to this. Um, so when one member of the family caught it and died, the rest of the family's health soon began to fade very very quickly after that because you were. We now know that it's an airborne virus. So when someone coughs or sneezes, germs drift out into the air and then you inhale them um so what is that movie where oh no it's american horror story where like the the demon comes out the second season the demon comes out of the like exercise kid and then it like swoops up into the nun i feel like that's what germs do anyway so airborne germs so uh it Germ theory and bacteria and all that stuff was not uh, really researched until the late 1800s. So tuberculosis is spreading rapidly. They are noticing that when one member of the family dies, everyone else in the family begins to start to die as well. And so since there's no germ theory and there's no hope or no cure, they're trying to figure out how can we stop this? How can we stop this? Vampire theory came along obviously it's vampires so um the vampire legend in new england um was kind of this unproven miracle cure for, tuber for tuberculosis 
1784, this doctor um, started spreading this unusual cure for consumption. And the cure is that if some member in your family died from tuberculosis and everyone else started to fade, they obviously were the people who died were vampires and they were sucking the life force from the rest of the family members. So what they would do is they would unearth that deceased family member and they would, um, you know, burn or uh, burn the body or tear away the vital organs to remove uh, the sickness from the family. And those who had lost multiple loved ones um, would have to unearth their, and it was you unearthing your own family members. Any questions so far? So. <laughs> I can see your face. <laughs> well, I guess like, but don't we know that tuberculosis is a thing at this, like. So we know it's a thing. We don't know why it spreads. We don't know what causes it because germ theory hasn't happened. So it's very odd that one member of the family dies and then a few months later, everyone else in the family starts to fade as well. So unlike the vampires of like legend that came in and like sucked your blood, they thought that these um, vampires stayed in the ground, but through like this weird psychic osmosis were draining the life force from them. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> so they were like, Joe has tuberculosis and Joe has died. So now Joe becomes a vampire or they think like the tuberculosis is like a, like, no, no, no. So Joe has died and we have buried Joe. And then a few months later, Joe's sister, Andrea is also starting to fade. Well, obviously Joe has become a vampire after he is deceased and is now draining the life force out of her. Okay. So it's like how we discover people become zombies in season one of Walking Dead. Yes. I'm just and you the whole time. The, yes. I, don't, I don't know who that is my impression of. I don't know. <laughs> I hope it's your impression of the kid. <laughs> it's a nameless, nameless, that like CDC character. That, that was my impression of him. It's a nameless day player that got his SAG card and we are like so happy for them. Um, so if the body was exhumed, so they're like, okay, I think we're going to go with Joe again. Andrea's dying. I think Joe's a vampire. So they go in and like Joe, if you think Andrea's dying and Joe's a vampire, you could be like Fred, the other brother and have to exhume the body of your dead bro. So Fred is digging and he unearths Joe. Bro, exhumation is the worst exhumation. <laughs> it's Because you don't want to see your bro like that. And so um, Fred unearths Joe. And if Joe is not as decayed as he should be, which we all know Boston, Massachusetts, New England gets cold, so bodies don't decay as quickly as they do everywhere else. So especially if it was a colder winter. And or if they found blood in essential, like liquid blood in essential organs, then obviously he's a vampire. Now, side note, didn't know this till you research it, um, your blood 
stays liquefied in your body and in your organs for a very long time after you die. Um, like years? Years. Oh, not, ew. not now because <laughs> this is, the, I should have a trigger warning for this. I didn't realize this episode was going to get so graphic, but, um, the embalming process is terrifying when you get oh. embalmed now today like it's horrible they didn't have that then so you're so whenever you would exhume a body and you would see like liquid blood in the liver or in the heart you'd be like it would just be normal but they didn't know that because they aren't exhuming bodies every day this is before a lot of um maybe they should be yeah exactly um so they're like well obviously he's a vampire so then what they would do if they're like joe's a vampire uh they would a number of rituals could be performed including burning the corpse rearranging the corpse or turning it upside down and reburying it or burning the vital organs are you ready for the grossest thing you've ever heard in your life oh we're not we're not at the grossest no oh my god every once in a while to (laughs) i mean we do i'm sure our kids will look back and be like what stupid stuff has our like did our parents do but every once in a while the ashes of the vampire that was burnt or their liver or their organs was then consumed no by the family members no. there f- <laughs> to help cure no. them of no. tuberculosis <laughs> yep oh. so that is the vampire panic. So there is a man named Michael Bell, who is the expert um, of these New England vampires. And he wrote a book called Food for the Dead on the Trail of New England's Vampires. He has documented um, 80 uh, ex- exhumations, um, digging up bodies, at least 80 of them, uh, reaching as far back as the late 1700s and as far west as Minnesota. Um, but they are most concentrated in the backwoods of New England. Um, so he believes that hundreds more cases await discovery. Uh, he believes that um, the ones that get recorded are just the tip of the iceberg. So he's sure that like a whole bunch of people did this, but not everyone recorded it. Um, Henry David Thoreau actually wrote of a case that happened in September of 1859. And he wrote in his journal, that he was fighting tuberculosis with. Um, (laughs) The savage in man is never quite eradicated. I have just read of a family in Vermont who, several of its members having died of consumption, just burned the lungs and heart and liver of the last deceased in order to prevent any more from having it. Right? So, modern times, fast forward through time. If you hear scratching in the background, that's my dog. Um, so in Griswold, Connecticut in 1990, so both Julie and I are alive, both little, but we're alive. Um, some children were playing, uh, by a field and they came upon a mass grave. So their parents didn't believe them when they're like, we found a whole bunch of bodies in the field. And they're like, no, you're silly children. So one of the kids brought their parents a skull. Like, look. Oh, oh, I mean, to be fair. (laughs) To be fair. Like, to be fair. How else are you going to prove it? Exactly. Um, There was a local serial killer in that area named Michael Ross. So authorities thought that that was 
that's another part of that. So they taped off the area like it was a crime scene, but they realized that all of the decaying bodies uh, were more than a century old. So it was an older, just an older grave that had never been documented. So there were 29 um, burials there that were very typical of the 1700s. And they were all in these, um, they were all in simple wood coffins without jewelry or much clothing. And their arms were resting by their sides or crossed over their chests. Now, except for one burial. So this one, they lifted these other ones were pretty, they were easy to find. This last one, they had to lift these large flat rocks that formed a roof and uncovered the remains of a red painted coffin. And, um, everything was in perfect anatomical position, but it looked like everything had been rearranged. So it was where it should have been, but it didn't look like that's where it was always been. And they noticed that the skeleton had been beheaded and um, it looked like, and then they also put um, the thigh bones like a little bit higher so that it looked like a skull and crossbones at the very top motif. Um, So subsequent analysis showed that the beheading and all the other injuries and like the, the moving of all the stuff occurred about five years after death. And so the other skeletons in the, the hillside were packaged and reburied. And then they call this one JB. He is a, maybe Joe. What if this is Joe? I did not know this was coming. (laughs) I kind of did. And that's why I was like, I'll let her say his name is Joe. Um, he was a I chose that name. I'm sorry to any Joe that I know. <laughs> um, so Joe the vampire was a 50-ish male skeleton from the 1830s. And um, they call him JB uh, because of the initials spelled out in brass tacks on his red coffin. How badass is that? And he has been shipped to the National Museum of Health and Medicine in Washington, D.C. for further study. And that is the story of the New England vampire panic. Oh my gosh. Waboom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's <sighs> like I have these moments where I'm like, how could people so easily and, and so quickly just fall down this rabbit hole about something and get so worked up and and then you go on facebook and you're and like, like ah. oh oh right <laughs> there it is i i would i was fascinated the the day after the super bowl because there there were genuinely people um i've lived a few states i don't want to throw shade at any particular states but there were definitely states that I've lived in that the people from those states were complaining more about the appropriateness of the um, mm. attire at the Super Bowl than other people from other states. But then on top of that, there were the people that like hadn't seen anyone complain and therefore were making fun of the people talking about people complaining as if they had like in like imagined that for like their own opportunity to complain about people complaining. Mm-hmm. And they were like mocking that, and yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, it's just the the world is ending." Yeah, it's very interesting how we all live in like our little bubbles, even now, where like technology is, you know, has allowed us to have the knowledge of the universe literally at our fingertips, and 
yet if you're surrounded by people who think the same as you then you really you're like who who like who would do this or i don't want to i would i was about to get very specific and i was like no um but if everyone around you is dying and a friend of yours and there's no other cure you don't know any better and a friend of yours goes yeah everyone in my family had consumption and then we dug up joe and we ate his ashes and now everybody's healthy you'd be like fuck like let's dig up larry <laughs> yeah let's get up in that grave yeah so uh. so julie future light time what you got oh, going on future light yeah um hold this pause I don't know maybe she'll keep the pause like I think about my future life and that's not to say that I don't have anything that I'm looking forward to I think I'm yes. just a little bit content in the fact that um you know even as little as a week ago I was feeling very overwhelmed um yeah. there was a a lot of responsibility going on at work um and like personal life and and when I say personal life I mean like my auditions and stuff like that like things yeah. that it's like it's my decision to go to these things and hold myself accountable yeah. um Oof. that that was sort of stress and, and balancing and and all of that and I did sort of like there was a show um, that I was going to audition for and I, and I really just had to like take a moment of this isn't healthy for you right now like you've got mm -hmm. too much going on and, and that's always disappointing when you have to make that decision but also yeah. at the same time it's like I I am glad that I made that decision um and so I'm just really trying to take care of myself and I'm seeing a difference in that I guess is is where I am is like you know I'm I'm okay right now <laughs> and also I went to the doctor for the first time in forever yeah because I I have like a, a health insurance situation you know I, I I've always had like some form of health insurance so whether it mm -hmm. be like affordable health care act or whatever um but I, I finally am in a situation where I feel incredibly lucky that I could go to the doctor and not stress about how much it was going to cost yeah what's on the other end after you have it yeah yeah um they were like <laughs> They, it was like my new doctor because it's like now I have a PCP or whatever, but yeah. they gave me a form to fill out to get my old doctor um, to send like my information or whatever, like my mm -hmm. previous. And I was like, so like my doctor when I was a kid? Yeah. And, and they were like, no, like the, the last time you, you know, went to your doctor for a checkup. And I was like, oh, oh I mean, like I'll ask my parents about my, my doctor from then because sorry guys yeah <laughs> like I had a, a doctor when I had a you mean my pediatrician and yeah. then all the urgent cares I went to every time I had a sinus infection from then till now <laughs> um don't don't follow our uh, lead um my future light is that on Facebook today it said that I went and saw a show of yours two years ago um and hunchback when you were in hunchback oh, oh yeah. my gosh yes um but we weren't really or three years ago it might have been three years ago um 
but we weren't friends then. Like we knew each other through work. So I saw it and I saw a few other people that I was like, Oh, like casual acquaintances I know. And they're, we're Facebook friends. So I'll say, but we're friends now and like yeah. good friends. And that's just kind of cool. Oh, but, I love that. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I, I don't remember us knowing each other that well back then. So that makes sense. Oh yeah. And we were on two different teams at work. So like, even if we were working together, we weren't like ever in the same room. Yeah. Oh my oh. gosh. Yeah. How crazy is that? Isn't that weird? <sighs> Speaking of weird, of time. if you like this, give us a like. <laughs> if you like this weirdness, give us a like, give us a review, uh, leave us a voice message, send us an email. You know how to do it. We talk about it a lot. This isn't your first episode. If it is, it'd be a weird one to start with, which like I'm okay with. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. underscore shade or Facebook at historical shade. We don't have a Twitter. Thanks, Julie. <laughs>